Uh, we are in a, um, a series of messages called Do One Thing, and, um, but we've been um, taking little pieces of things that help us to move closer to Jesus, and we're unearthing that. We're developing, it, developing those a little more. So the first month we talk about, talked about identity. What does it look like for us to belong to Jesus? What does it mean for us to be Christians? And, um, and then on the, the heel of that, we had baptism. We had 18 or 19 people to be baptized. And uh, because baptism is one of the ways to express my identification with Jesus. And then the second month, we talked about Bible engagement. And individuals, we have you know, anecdotally people sharing, like I've begun reading the Bible. My friend Al said, you know, I'm, I'm getting through the Bible. Some places are a little hard, but I'm, I'm, I'm getting through. I finished my third chapter today. And so just really, really third, my third book today. And so I just really love that individuals are engaging Scripture. And then last month we talked about prayer and uh, what, how, how do we engage and connect with God and, um, and out of that, we started a prayer course. Prayer course started last week, and I think there were 30, 30 plus people in that, uh, in that course. So they're, they're, people are taking their next steps to, um, to walk with Jesus and walk with him a little bit more closely. And this month, we're talking about, uh, we're talking about mission. We are all on mission. We are called to be conduits, not containers, God has called each of us, and so, so we continue that today. So in, um, in, uh, I, I want to ask, ask a question. So what, what is the last piece of good news you've received? The last piece of good news. It could be promotion. It could be a number of things. But the last piece of good news you've re- you received. Last piece. You can talk back to me. You can talk back to me. Last piece of good news you received. A new baby in your family, that is great, great news. Yes. Your grandsons are worshiping with you today. That's really, that's good news. Yes. Okay, you had someone to return from, from deployment. Who was that? Your daughter. That's good news. Yes. Yes, someone said that last, uh, the last service that your, son, your children and grandchildren are safe from the tornado that was in Tennessee. And so very, very, that's really, really good news. So we, we received some good news this week. And um, if you can put that up there, this is, this is Malia, and she is six months old, and you can see two teeth are coming in. That was good news for us, and it was like, 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 I almost wanted to cry. Like, I am that grandfather, right? I'm, you can be on your deathbed. I'm going to be showing you. I'm going to be praying for you, but I'm going to be showing you my granddaughter as well. So um, that, that was good news for us. It just says she's growing, and I, I just love that. And so um, two teeth coming in, good news. You know, it's interesting that just as you and I receive good news periodically and we share it with others, uh, the disciples in the passage we're going to look at today receive great news, but we don't see them actually sharing it with other people. We actually find them in an unusual place, which we're going to take a look at. They, they were, they, the, the good news, the great news was Jesus had died and, and he rose again. 
and, and he was alive, once dead, but now alive. And the women who were at the tomb, they, they received that news. They saw Jesus alive, and he told them to go and share with the rest of the disciples that I am alive. I'm no longer dead, and I'll meet them in Galilee. And so the women go, and they tell, they tell the rest of the disciples that Jesus is alive. And you would think, you would think, like, like they, they would have pictures and they would be on the street sharing this information. He was once dead, but now he's alive. Our Lord is alive. But we find them in a different place. We find them stuck. And Jesus has to get them unstuck. And I think the way they are stuck, we sometimes get stuck as well. And Jesus has to get us unstuck. And that's what this passage we're talking about today is all about. So if you have a copy of the scriptures, turn with me to John chapter 20. John chapter 20, page 906 and 907, if you're looking on the Bible that the church provides. 906, 907. I want you to know also, we're going to do a Mentimeter question um, near the, near the uh, in, in just a few minutes, so make sure you have your devices out so we can, um, so we can do, uh, do that with a, a little bit more expeditiously. All right, so John chapter 20, verses 19 through 23, it says, this is what it says, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, which is Sunday, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. And then it says, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. I want you, did you notice that? After receiving such great news, such great news from the women said that Jesus is alive, more than likely the, the individuals, the two individuals who were on the road to Emmaus and Luke um, they probably shared that same information with these guys, like Jesus is alive. Peter, who is in the room, probably Jesus had a conversation with him. He's publicly restored a little bit later in chapter 21, we see that. But we know that Jesus had a conversation with Peter. The living Jesus, not the dead one, the living Jesus has a conversation with Jesus. And with all of this evidence, they're locked hiding behind closed and locked doors. Now, listen, I don't blame them, and I'm not going to shame them. I don't blame them, and I don't blame you, and I don't blame me. I'm not going to shame you or make you feel guilty about hiding behind doors. I'm just saying I can relate. I'm quite sure you can relate that, that, that sometimes we hide behind locked and closed doors. If you're anything like me, I, I know I do. I know if you're anything like me, sometimes you find yourself hiding behind doors as well. When, when we should be sharing the good news about who Jesus is. Sometimes we find ourselves behind, man, we, we hide behind closed and locked doors. I think sometimes we hide, our, we hide behind the, lo, the closed and locked doors of fear. So if I start telling people about Jesus, what, what, what are they going to say about me? And are they going to reject me? And are they going to ridicule me? Are they going to laugh at me? Are they going to verbally assault me? Are they even going to physically assault me? And sometimes you and I, as followers of Jesus, whose lives have been changed by him, we find ourselves hiding behind locked doors. Doors of fear. 
Now, sometimes we find ourselves hiding behind the locked doors and closed doors of isolation. Isolation, listen, we, you can look in our context and we have no unchristian, we have no non-Christian friends. All of our friends, now again, we need fellowship from believers. I get that, I understand that, we enjoy that. But, but if, if you and I don't have unbelieving friends in our contacts, that is a problem. And so we isolate ourselves. We make no contact with people who are unbelievers. And so we hide behind the doors of isolation. I'm isolating myself. I don't want to be fanatical. I don't want people to, I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't want to be that. So I, I isolate myself and I have my Christian music and I have my Christian cake and I have my Christian everything. So sometimes we find ourselves hiding behind the doors of isolation. Some days we find ourselves hiding behind the doors of anonymity. I, I don't want anyone to know that I'm a Christian. I don't want anyone to know that I identify and I align my life with the one, the once dead and now living Savior, because they might think that I am one of those people. So I hide myself, you hide yourself, we hide ourselves behind the doors of anonymity. So the question that I have to ask me and you, do people in our neighborhoods know that we're Christians? I'm talking about followers of Jesus. Do people on our jobs know that we're followers of Jesus? Do people that we work out with know that we are followers of Jesus? Do, are we public Christians or are we secret Christians? We come here, we get our praise on, we sing, and this is my people, this is my space. But the moment we leave, do, do people know that we follow the once dead and now living Savior? And so sometimes we lock ourselves and hide behind the doors of anonymity. And some days we hide behind the doors of superficiality. Now, there's nothing wrong with talking about the weather. There's nothing wrong with talking about uh, politics. Well, there's a whole lot talking wrong with talking about politics. I'm just putting that out there. But, but, but there's nothing wrong with talking about those things. But at some point, the, the, the conversation has to go deeper, that, that, that we talk about the surface things, but we don't go deeper. And so sometimes we hide behind the doors of superficiality. And that's where we find these disciples hiding behind a door, holding on to a lot of good news. Jesus. It's a lot. That's where we, that's where we find them. And, and man, I, I get it. I get it. I think sometimes we hide behind these doors all the time, right? And again, no, no blame, no shame, no condemnation. This is a condemnation, blame-free zone. And yet I think you and I have to be challenged every day in terms of the doors we hide behind. So what I want to do, I want you to take out your phones, your devices, and I want out of those four, out of the four, you're going to go to menti.com, menti.com, and then you're going to see a code. And what I want you to do, I want you to just simply ask, be honest, what, what door do you tend to hide behind as a follower of Jesus that keeps you from embracing your sentness, my sentness? What door do you tend to hide behind, whether it's the door of fear, um, 
whether it's the door of isolation, anonymity, or superficiality, go to menti.com. The code is there, 5293-8475. And um, you're going to see, and it's going to be began to populate in a few minutes. The reason we do Mentimeter is so that we can get a real-time a real-time update in terms of what's in your mind and what's in your heart. That's the reason honesty is so, so important, is that we get a chance to see what's happening in our congregation, what's happening in the lives of people, and then period, so we can also help to close the gap where we might, where we might be. So fear, isolation, anonymity, superficiality, so we see superficiality and, um, and, and fear kind of winning, um, winning out, okay? So fear seems to be the number one reason why we don't embrace our sentness. Fear seems to be the number one reason why we hold on to the good news and not share it with other people. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your honesty and thank you for your engagement. I think that helps us all to know you're not, if you're, if you're fearful, you're not alone. If you are, uh, you're kind of focused on isolation, you're not alone. If it's anonymity, you're not by yourself. If it's superficiality, there, we are family in this room. We all deal, we all lock ourselves behind doors. So how do we get unstuck? How did Jesus unstick them? And um, I want to make a few moves in this passage that helps us, and I think that helped them. So the first thing that Jesus did, he came to them. He came to them. Look at verse number 19, the B part of verse 19. It says, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews... Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. So the resurrected, Jesus in his resurrected body came to them. And I love the fact that he came to them behind closed doors. He could have easily said, come out from behind that door, you cowards, you unfaithful individuals. He doesn't say that. He actually meets them behind the door. He actually sits with them and stands with them in their fear, in, their, in our superficiality, in our anonymity, in our isolation. The living Christ, he actually says, I love you so much, I will not leave you behind that door to deal with your fear alone. I am going to stand in the midst of it with you. I love that. I love that we have a Savior who just doesn't say, ah, you're not enough. You failed again. Why, you have the good news. Why aren't you out there sharing it? He doesn't say that. But he comes and he stands with them. And he makes his presence known behind closed doors. He makes his presence known in the midst of all that they were going through. And he transforms their fear into courage, and he transforms their isolation into loving curiosity and contact. He transforms our anonymity and secrecy into public identification with Jesus Christ. That's how powerful the risen Savior is. And I want you to notice his first words to these frightened disciples. 
And his first words to us as frightened and anxious disciples, it is not condemnation, it is not judgment, it is not guilt, it is not rebuke, it is not scolding, it is peace be with you. I know you're scared, peace be with you. I know you're anxious, peace be with you. I know you may not feel like you can do it. You don't know enough. And you're like, I, can we take the class again, Jesus? And Jesus says, peace be with you. Now, when we talk about peace, it's more than the absence of conflict and anxiety. It's so much bigger than that. Peace in this context, this Jewish greeting it is, I know that your hearts are fractured and I'm here to put it back together. I know that there are fissures in your soul and I'm here to knit it and, 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 uh, and, and, and mend it and put it back together. I know that doubt keeps your mouth closed, but I am here to give you peace and to cause all that's broken to be brought back together again. I know that your seemingly unmet expectations, you thought I was something else, but I'm here to be Savior and Lord. I know that's keeping you, your unmet your unmet expectations. I know that's causing despondency and hopelessness, but I'm here to put all of that back together. And so he says, peace be with you. And he is still saying that today. He is still saying that today to all of us. He says, I know you're struggling to talk to your friends and your neighbors about me. Peace be with you. I know that your life is broken and you don't feel like, ah, I don't know if I feel worthy to even say anything about Jesus. Peace be with you. I, I, mean, I know that there's shame and guilt from the way you lived in the past. Peace be with you. I know you have thoughts. I have, God, I have all of these thoughts that are not of you and I'm, I'm in, I, I just, I don't know. Peace be with you. That's what he says behind closed doors. So he comes to them. He comes to them. He says, peace be with you. But he does something else that I think is so, so cool, and it helps us. He reassured them. He not only, not, he not only um, came to them, but he reassured them. Listen to the text, verse 20. Verse 20, it says, when he had said this, peace be with you, he showed himself, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus says, hey, before I give you the big thing, the big mission that I'm about to send you on, I need you to be reassured that you believe it yourself. I think sometimes we are afraid to share because we might not believe it ourselves. Maybe there's not a settled confidence yet that Jesus is in fact, uh, and he's in fact Lord, that he, wrote, that he died for our sins and he rose again. Maybe we're still struggling with that. And so Jesus had to reassure them. And so what, is, what does he do? He identifies his scars. He says, listen, I am the Lord. Look at my hands. Look at my side. I want you to know that the one that died is now rose again. And he is the one standing in your midst right now. 
And so there are days where you and I struggle and we doubt and we wonder if it's all true. You can ask the living Christ to give you reassurance that what you believe is true. And guess what? I believe, I believe, I've seen it, I've experienced it. People in this room have experienced it. That if you ask, he will show up and he will reassure you that yes, he died. And yes, he rose again with power to transform our lives. If you ask, he will show up. If you ask, he will show up behind your closed doors of fear and anonymity and isolation and superficiality. And he will say that before you go out into the world, I want you to know and I want it settled in your heart that I am your Lord. I'm not your mother's Lord. I'm not your father's Lord. That may be true. I need you to be reassured that you belong to me and I belong to you. I remember when I was in college, I was ready to chunk it all. I, I, I just kind of fell on this sense of I don't believe this anymore. This is my mother's faith. This is my, my auntie's faith. I don't believe this anymore. This, is, this whole Jesus thing is a figment of my imagination. And I went to everybody else but God. I started looking and reading all kinds of periodicals and does God exist? Is Jesus real? And the last resort was I got on my knees and said, God, you're going to have to show me. You're going to have to reassure me because if I am going to stand and preach this message, I need to be certain myself. I need to have a, a modicum of certainty that you are mine and I am yours. And that Sunday morning, God showed up in the person of another pastor, and he reminded me that Jesus is real. And then the dominoes began to fall. There were other assurances that God gave me to remind me that when you stand, you will be standing with confidence. Now, I'm not saying that we have to have it all together. We have to have all the answers a lot of it is mysterious, and a lot of it, we do it by faith. But there's a settled confidence, a settled confidence that Jesus lived and that Jesus died and that Jesus rose again. No, no scholar, secular or not, will argue the fact whether Jesus lived or not. Everybody said that Jesus, everybody knows that Jesus said, we don't just have to depend on this. We have individuals who are not believers who say Jesus lived. We have people who are not believers who say Jesus died. And even scientists and philosophers still cannot understand how is it that, how is it that the Christianity took off exponentially, it was after the resurrection. So many are like, I don't understand how it happened. And there are individuals who still are saying, like, like how do you explain the, the cloths? And how do you explain, you know, if, if, if the disciples were lying, why did the women uh, who were not believable at the time, why did the women um, actually talk about Jesus being raised from the dead? So if you ask him for reassurance so that you might be a powerful voice and a powerful witness, he will 
give it to you. And one of the evidences that he has reassured you is joy. Notice the disciples, when they saw Jesus, they were reassured. They saw his hands. They saw his scars. They saw his, the, scar, the, the piercing in his side. It says they were overjoyed. One of the evidences that we are reassured of Jesus, we have joy. The third thing, though, is he commissioned them, and he commissions us. Look at verse 21. Verse 21, it says, Jesus said to them, again, peace be with you, and as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And, um, and so Jesus says that he gives us a few concepts in, this, in, these, in these verses. He sends them on a mission. He actually recommissions them because he had given them a commission earlier in his ministry. But he says, all the stuff that I told you about, it's time. And so within, these, within this verse, there are several things, significant points that I want to raise for us so that we don't get lost in this. Number one is God is a missionary God. God is a missionary. And so he sent his son. That same DNA, missionary DNA in God, he placed in his son, and in his son, he placed it in us. So whether we accept it or embrace it or not, in our DNA, we are all missionaries. So your job is a mission field. Where you work out is a mission field. If you have children, a school they go to is a mission field. We're called to be missionaries. So wait a minute, I don't go overseas. I think that's a misconception and a misnomer that we are missionaries in the context of where we live. You don't just have that job to make money. You actually have that job because God has you there, and that's your mission field. So God is a missionary God. Second thing is this is an important mission. This mission is important. Jesus goes, and he, Jesus dies. Like, like the, the, the eternal nature of the world, your, etern, your eternal uh, soul, your eternal life, my eternal life was at stake. So this is that important. So Jesus gives up his life, and God calls us every day to give up our lives, to deny ourselves so that we might share this good news with others. So important. Your neighbors are so important. My neighbors are so important. The people you work with are so important. They're image bearers. They, they're loved by God. And so the mission that you and I are on is important. The third thing is that this mission will cost us something. I know people say, wait a minute, wait. Well, Marvin, if I share my faith, I might get ridiculed. I might get laughed at. The reality is you will get ridiculed. You will get laughed at. It is going to cost you something. Standing behind this door. People, it don't cost us nothing to stand behind here. It don't really cost us anything to be afraid to share this. It doesn't cost us really anything to be anonymous. It doesn't cost us anything that, 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 
that this whole anonymity and isolation, it doesn't cost, we can't, we, we can't actually touch people behind the door. And so there's this sense where, 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 where Jesus is saying, I am, I am sending you out, and it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you something. The sent one is actually sending us. And so, so Marvin, I get that. I get the whole I'm sent, I'm a missionary, I'm commissioned, recommissioned to change the world, all of those things. I, I get that. I, man, I, I, don't, I still don't know if I can do it. Well, Jesus says, I got you. And the last move of this passage is found in verses 22 and 23. And when he said, when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. And so Jesus empowers them. And he empowers us. My friends, I know you might be still afraid to open your mouth to share this good news. I know you might even be afraid to live like Jesus called you to live. But Jesus tells these disciples, you can come out from behind the closed doors because I'm empowering you to do so. I'm giving you what you cannot, you cannot muster up on your own. And I know you say, well, if I, can just, if, I can just, if I can just muster up enough strength, well, the Holy Spirit said, no. Jesus said, no, that's not what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to make room in your heart, room in your life for the Holy Spirit to actually empower you, give you wisdom, give you discernment, to work, to, to understand what's happening in the room so you can see if there's a person of peace there, someone who is open to hear what you might have to say. Listen, this, this, is, this actually harkens back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, when God breathed in to Adam uh, and gave, and Adam became a living soul. That is, he became physically alive. But when Jesus breathes on the disciples, they become spiritually alive and spiritually empowered to do the work of being sent. So apart from the filling of the Spirit, apart from the, the blowing of the Spirit, the breath of God, there is no way we can do what God has called us to do. Apart from him indwelling us, we can't do it. Now, when Jesus breathed on them, it was really a foretaste of what would happen at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, where the Holy Spirit would not only come upon them, but the Holy Spirit would live inside of them. Jesus actually predicted this in John 14, verse 7, 17, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be what? In you. So every day we wake up. We have the power to do what he's called us to do. So I tried to see, how can I, how can I illustrate this? I wanted to try to find a, a pinwheel. You know what a pinwheel is. Pinwheel is those colorful things that when you blow on it, then they spin. So I couldn't find one because they're seasonal. But I think I found something else that, try to, that gets the point. This is, you know what this is. This is a party rollout, right? Every, you know, parties, New Year's, all that kind of stuff. And, um, and, and it, the purpose of this is to roll out and you have fun with it, right? But apart from you and I blowing in this, this thing stays curled up. 
But the moment you and I, this is so much fun. The moment you and I blow in it, it unrolls and we send it out. Somebody just missed that. Apart from the breath of God, you and I cannot share this good news. Apart from the air of God, the breath of God, the spirit of God, yes, we cannot do this. Apart from the spirit of God, we cannot be that kind of church. Apart from the spirit of God, you cannot be that kind of person. But the moment in your fear, in your isolation, in your anonymity, in your superficiality, the moment the spirit of God blows, he sins. The moment the Spirit of God blows in your life and mine, he sends you to Hazlitt. He sends you to Holt. He sends you to St. John's. He sends you to Williamson. I wish I, had, I wish I had rollouts for everybody so we could be doing this together because it is the Jesus says, I am blowing on you to take this good news to people who don't know me. See, we've been trying to do this in our own strength. We've been trying to do it because, I, like, like, don't do it because I'm saying it. Don't do it because we're trying, we're, as a church, we want to make this. Do it because Jesus has called us to do it. Not only has he called us to do it, but he's empowered us to do it. So if we don't go, it's not because we don't have a mission. If we don't go, it's not because we don't have power. If we don't go, it's because we don't want to go. Every day, you and I have to make a decision. Are we going to be a container or a conduit? Are we going to let the Spirit of God unroll us out of our comfort? Unroll us out of our anonymity. <laughs> Unroll us out of our isolation. It's the Spirit of God that does it. He empowers us. So He comes and He will come with peace. Not only does He come, he actually reassures with his scars. He commissions us with a mission. And he enables us with his power. And he enables us. We don't have the power to forgive sins. That's the next part of this passage. We don't have the power to forgive sins. So if you were wondering, what does that mean? Do, can I just forgive people? No, that's only God can forgive. What Jesus is saying here is the message that we have when we are enabled and empowered to go out and share this message, what he is saying here is when a person repents of their sins and believe in Jesus, by the authority of Jesus, we get to announce that they are forgiven. Not from us, but from God. We're just simply saying everything that the Bible has said. We get to announce that it doesn't matter your past, God loves you and forgives your sins. 
It doesn't matter the shame and the guilt. God loves you and he forgives your sins. It doesn't matter where you're from and your, your unbelief and your doubt. God loves you and he is able to forgive your sins. We're just simply announcing all that, announcing what Jesus has done. He died and rose again and now he is saying, would you trust me? That's the mission that we're on, to announce that. We, don't, we can't forgive people. But we can announce that God has already done the work. So, so, we are, we are behind these closed doors. Whatever they might be. And the crazy part is, is that we have, we're hiding behind locked doors, whether It is anonymity or isolation or fear. And when God has given us open doors, he actually says, I've given you a wide open door. And there are a couple of places in Scripture Everybody in this room, you have an open door. Places in Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 8 and 9. The passage is not going to be on the screen, but Paul says, I I have a wide open door to tell people about Jesus. So look for them. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12 It says, the Lord has opened a door of opportunity for me to share the gospel. So walk through them. Colossians chapter 4, verse 3, pray for an open door that the, uh, for the word to speak it clearly. Maybe there are closed doors on your job. Maybe there are closed doors in your neighborhood. Ask God, would you please give me an open door so that I may speak clearly? Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, he gives the church at Philadelphia, you have an open door to share the gospel. Disciples are behind closed and locked doors, and God says, I've given you an open door. Why are you behind locked doors? Open doors literally everywhere around you, your neighborhood, your friends. It's time for us to walk through those open doors that God has given us. One of the ways to do it, I want you to take out your, take out your um, in your bulletin, you have a, a sheet like this. And here's a way to walk through open doors. This is called a conversation quadrant. Conversation quadrant, and then one more thing, then we'll be done. Conversation quadrant. And as you can see, you start from the top right in terms of having conversations with people to help them to help you build a relationship with them so that if God is calling them to respond to the gospel, you'll be ready. So the first one is casual. And again, there's nothing wrong with casual conversation, but the casual conversation has to lead someplace casual. That is, get to know a person. More, this is kind of more surface level. These are the kinds of questions. How was your weekend? What kind of hobbies do you have? 
just kind of getting to know people. And you don't have to do all of this at one time. This, this actually can build. Now, there are moments where God might give you an open door right away, and it right away goes to a spiritual conversation. But it typically begins with a casual, and then it moves to meaningful. This is more significant conversations that are more vulnerable in nature. That is, talking about your physical health, your mental health, your relational, relational challenges. What are some of the things that you're dealing with at work right now? And so you move from casual to meaningful. And then you move to spiritual conversations, talking about what you're learning or how God is working in your life. And then just simply say, could I pray for you about that? If they share something that they're going through physically or a work challenge, can, can I pray for you about that? In, my, in all of my years of living, most, most people will not turn down you praying for them. Another way to ask that, how can I pray for you? And then the, 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 the last one is connecting God's story uh, to their story. That reminds me of a story from the Bible. Could I tell you about it? I had this, um, I, went from, I went from actually casual to spiritual very quickly the other day. When I, after I worked out, um, I, I was in a sauna and um, Ezekiel was in there um, And it was a great, great conversation. I kind of just discerned the room. He was talking a lot. Because he was talking a lot, it let me know, oh, he really does want to have a conversation. So the Spirit of God says, okay, start with casual. Say, so, so, you know, are you in school? Are you a student? Yeah, I'm a a sophomore at MSU. So what what are you studying? Um, Well, I'm uh, in the kinesiology program, but I think I want to do art. And again, I don't know how those two go together, but it's like he, but he explained it. He explained it. And I said, so, wow, that's, that's really cool. So do you draw right now? And so we just had this conversation, half naked and and having this conversation. (laughs) And so we, we, we struck up a conversation. Then I, I, it was getting really, really hot in there, so it's like, okay, I need to jump right to the spiritual right fast because I sensed that it was time. I said, how can I pray for you? And he said, man, can you just, can you pray that I would just have clarity on what I should do? And, and then he started telling me about he was in an accident. He and his friends, they were out playing golf, and his friend swung back, hit him in the head. He uh, was concussed. And he was bleeding, and so his friend, one friend didn't have a license. His other friend was, had been smoking weed, and so didn't want him to drive. And so he had to drive himself while his friend kept the, um, kept the, the uh, T-shirt on his head. And that was like a 10-minute conversation. And so I said, can I pray for you? So I prayed for his college. I prayed for him physically. I prayed for his spirit. So I don't know where you are spiritually right now. I just want to pray for you right now. Some of you are already doing this. These are cookies on a low shelf. So this conversation quadrant is to kind of guide you through conversations that you can have with individuals. Come out from behind the closed door. And watch God do some work. Let's stand. I'm going to ask the prayer team and, um, and deacons and elders to come forward. But I have one last thing that's going to challenge your faith. It's going to activate your faith. And I want it to. It's awkward. It's challenging. 
It's risky, high risk, high reward. This is what I want you to do. Between the next 24 to 48 hours, between the next 24 to 48 hours, I want you to get out your phone and I want you to make a 30-second video. 30-second video. And I simply want you to say something like this. And I'm going to do this in a few minutes. First of all, ask the Holy Spirit, who can I send, who do I need to send this to? I'm hoping it's someone in your contacts who's not a believer. Or maybe someone who's walked away from God and who need to hear from you. Just simply say something like, like this, hey, this is your name. And, and again, you could text this, but they need to see your face. If you have a flip phone, then, uh, man, I'm, I'm like, we're in trouble. No, I'm just saying, send an email, send a letter. But for those of you who have smartphones, send a, send a message. Just simply, like, I have good news for you. Hey, this is Marvin, or whatever your name is, and I just want to let you know I have good news for you. Jesus still loves you. And that's it. You ain't got to preach a message. You ain't got, don't, don't be on it 45 minutes later. Like, you know, they are just, it's a 30-second deal, and it might look something like this. Hey, what's up, CV? It's your boy Marvin, and um, uh, the Lord put you on my heart. And, um, and I just want to share some good news with you. And that good news is Jesus still loves you. Don't know where you are in your journey. Don't know where you are in your faith uh, with Jesus right now. Um, but I, I want you to know that Jesus still loves you. And, um, yeah, that's it. That's all I want to say. Peace. And that's it. You can do this. Not you but the Spirit of God at work in you. And I've been praying for you all week long that God would take a video that you make and it would disrupt people's lives. It would, you would send it and they would be on the verge of something really, like really bad. Like, like I, and I'm not hoping that something is bad happening, but that at the right time, you send the video and they open it and they hear from God through you. They see the tears rolling down your cheeks. They hear the quiver in your voice. They see that it was, it was, um, it was kind of anxious for you to do it. You were afraid to do it, but you did it because the Spirit of God gave you courage and you press send. And let God do the work. You don't have to keep checking to see if they answered. You don't have to say, I'm changing my number now. They're going to think I'm crazy. They're going to think I'm drunk. You don't have to worry about any of that. You just be faithful over sending it and let God worry about the results. Amen? Amen. Elders and deacons and prayer team members, if you can come forward, let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. And I pray in the name of your son, Jesus, as we are, you've sent us into the world and we're going to be sending messages to people this week. I pray that your spirit would take all of that 
and bless Lansing and bless St. John's and bless uh, Williamston and bless Hazlitt. God, I pray, I pray, I pray that you would encourage and give, encourage those who receive the message, but you would give courage to those in this room to send the message. You come to us and you not only come to us, you give us peace. You reassure us, you commission us, and you empower us. We pray you would do that this week. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great week.